Being a dad isn't always easy, but it's the best thing I ever did. I'm constantly improving myself to be the best dad I can be through fitness, nutrition, mindset, and lifestyle. As fathers, we pass on many things to our children, such as our mindset, our habits, our attitude, and what we've learned along the way. Each of these will shape who our children are and who they will become. The Warrior Dad's mission is to help you become the healthiest version of yourself, to hone your edge, and to live with purpose. My name is Jim Bartomey, and this is the Warrior Dads Podcast. As Warrior Dads, we got to tackle a lot of things, but tackling low testosterone levels should definitely not be one of them. Uh, we need to keep our testosterone at peak levels, and that is absolutely crucial for all of us. So I'm sure you know all the horrible things associated with low T levels. If you don't, it's definitely not pretty. Uh, it's Google search away. But unfortunately, testosterone levels in men have been consistently decreasing over the last two decades. And it's actually one of the biggest conversations I have to have when working with men, which is why I decided to create the Warrior Dads Testosterone Booster Guide and Checklist. It's a free download. And all you have to do is go to checklist.warriordads.com. Uh, just download it, start, start implementing it, and start to feel the difference. So again, go to checklist.warriordads.com and get your free copy now. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Warrior Dads podcast. Today, I'm honored to bring on Ben Greenfield. Uh, For those of you who don't know who he is, um, he is a pioneer in the health and fitness world. I have a very long, uh, but I will go quick with the intro, but there's so much to say about Ben. Uh, but the uh, bio that he has on his website is uh, nothing short of spectacular. So I definitely recommend you to check it out at bengreenfield.com. So before I bring him on, let me just run through this bio and uh, we're going to get into some good stuff today. So raised in rural North Idaho, he was homeschooled from 12 to K. He was a complete nerd, president of the chess club, played violin for 13 years, wrote fantasy fiction and spent most of his childhood years with his nose in a book. He graduated at 15, started college at 16, and for four years, he studied anatomy, physiology, biomechanics, pharmaceuticals, microbiology, biochemistry, and nutrition, eventually rising to the top of his class. Then he graduated in 2004, 20 years old, as the top senior in his class at University of Idaho, all while working as a bartender, personal trainer, lab assistant, nutritionist, spinning instructor, athletic trainer, and strength and conditioning coach. He was accepted into six medical schools, but opted to instead attain a a master's degree in exercise physiology and biomechanics. He then became a father of twin sons and pivoted into media writing, speaking, and consulting, launching one of the world's first fitness podcasts and becoming a New York Times bestselling author of Beyond Training. In 2013 and 14, he was named one of the world's top 100 most influential people in the health and fitness world. Whether you want to become the complete mental athlete with flawless brain and nervous system, attain an ideal human body that fires on all cylinders from performance to beauty to hormones and beyond, or achieve true and lasting health, happiness, and longevity, Ben combines intense time in the trenches with ancestral wisdom and modern science to make your dreams a reality. Wow. Ben, that is quite an intro, but thank you so much for coming on the podcast, man. I really appreciate your time. Well, dude, thank, thanks for having me on. I'm honored. Yeah, man. Um, so that gives people a lot of a bio and I know we have, uh, I know we have a little bit of limited time, so let's just get right into it. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. All right, man. Because this is sticking with, uh, the the father theme and the dad theme, because this is the warrior dads podcast with all of that stuff that you're doing now that you've done, 
how do you incorporate that into fatherhood? What are you, what are you teaching your kids? And also how, how old are your boys now? My boys are, are twins. They're 11 years old. 11. Okay. Yeah. So what, what are they, are they exposed to all of it? Or are they exposed to some of it? What, um, what's a, what's a day in the life of Ben Greenfield as a dad, instead of as the, the fitness guru or the, you know, entrepreneur? Well, I have, uh, I have like biohacked avatars of my children that I interact with via virtual reality. <laughs> so I actually rarely, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I, I actually am, am blessed in that I have a home office. And uh, also we, we, we homeschooled our children for the first couple of years of their life and have recently begun uh, not really homeschooling, but, but more uh, unschooling them instead, meaning that rather than learning from a formal curriculum and kind of gathering around the kitchen table with books, as would be a traditional homeschooling scenario, mm-hmm. we are instead simply taking them traveling with us, um, br- bringing in people like, uh, you know, they're working with a general contractor right now to learn, you know, geometry and woodworking skills and, and to build a tree fort. Um, they, uh, have a, a host of different chemistry kits and, uh, drones and Lego programming robots and, you know, different American history documentaries and just a, a, an enormous library of, of books and, and ways for them to learn through life experiences, um, rather than through books per se. There's actually something the listeners could Google called the cone of learning and the cone of learning kind of outlines how humans learn best. And surprisingly books are kind of on the low end of the totem pole versus life experiences. And, uh, even like seeing movies or documentaries, um, performing tasks and of course at the top of the cone as you could imagine is is teaching a skill Mm -hmm. to others uh meaning that for example they they have a cooking podcast that you know cooking is one of their passions cooking plant foraging um you know almost like molecular gastronomy and so as part of that they have a podcast that they teach cooking concepts on but then they also uh put a few coins in their hats, so to speak, by teaching a cooking class to local youth uh, who will buy a ticket to go and and learn from them at a local community kitchen. And so that's kind of like, you know, the top of the cone of learning. And that's that's kind of my approach. Anytime they come to me with a new passion, whether it be, uh, you know, Mark Twain and American history or whether it be chemistry or learning how to fly a drone I always kind of step back and look at things through things through the lens of that that cone of learning. And then my role really is to just surround them with as many uh, uh, objects and items and people and adventures and activities that help to fuel that passion. But it's it's rough around the edges in that there's not really a formal curriculum. Right. Right. And, And and really unschooling is a little bit more block based as far as the learning process meaning that there might be a period of time for example where they're working really hard on this tree fort where a great deal of their day is not spent uh immersed in something like american history or working with the chemistry kit in the basement but is instead spent you know 
outdoors with mathematics, geometry, and woodworking, and that might be 80% of their curriculum for the entire summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it's, it's really a matter of them waking up out of, out of bed each morning and simply you know, choosing what it is that they want to focus on that day using what I've surrounded them with, with the exception of that being that uh, I, I, I am, I'm a big advocate of the spiritual disciplines, such as meditation, uh, study, fasting, silence, solitude, worship, prayer, etc. Yeah. And I, I think that those type of stoic disciplines are something that uh, a young man or a young woman does not necessarily wake up out of bed and feel enormously compelled to do or to discover for themselves. And so I lead the family each morning in some type of formal approach to the spiritual disciplines. At this point, that consists of going through our, our daily gratitude journals with a, a scripture reading uh, beforehand, followed by me leading the family in a little bit of song and worship. And then we all part ways and meditate for about 15 minutes. And Separately. In the... Yes. And in the winter, that might be, you know, you, you can choose where you want to go in the winter. Uh, that might be going down into the infrared sauna in the basement or up to the room or simply sitting cross-legged on the, on the hard wooden floor in the living room. In the summer, it'd more typically be going outdoors and doing kind of more, a more traditional, you know, Native American style sit spot where you simply have a, a place you've carved out for yourself in nature which I kind of like because every time you return to your sit spot, you, you can actually, in addition to smelling the air and, and just observing what happens around you during that time, that you really don't need to have your eyes closed, listening, feeling the ground, feeling the earth under your sit bones. You can also, if you're returning to the same spot during a sit spot meditation, just observe, oh, hey, that, that spider web has changed or this blade of grass has blossomed into you know, an entire, you know, clump of, of, of plants or this, this flower has, has blossomed, you know? And so I really like in the spring and summer, the idea of going outside, but that, that formal way to start the day and then also bookending that in the evening with a return to what is that thing that you were grateful for? What was that scripture that we dealt upon this morning so that they're able to place it on their heart and, you know, learn a new verse each day or, or, you know, kind of work the memory skills by actually, you know, memorizing a a verse or a section of scripture each day. And then, of course, ending the day by returning to what it is that they were grateful for, Mm -hmm. because research shows that by reliving anything and naming it, particularly in the area of gratitude, it elicits the same strong emotions as you experiencing that activity in the first place. Right. So if I had a hot date with my wife last night and we had, you know, amazing sex and a a wonderful dinner together. And this morning I wake up and I write all of that down in my gratitude journal. I'm getting the same kind of dopamine and oxytocin and, and feel good chemical release as I did when I, when I lived that experience. And so, you know, there's a lot of kind of cool physiological things that happen with a gratitude practice, but we end each day with a return to the gratitude with another kind of final bedtime song, a bedtime story. And so, you know, to return to your question, because I'm at home working from the home office much of the time, or 
these days, now that the kids are not in school, I'm actually, you know, spending a little bit of extra money I'd normally spend on tuition and just buying an extra plane ticket and bringing them with me on my adventures, my speaking gigs, some of my travel, et cetera. Um, I do have the opportunity to kind of, you know, kind of, kind of live a lot of this with my children and experience a lot of this, this life with, with my children. But that obviously takes, you know, to do something like that, it takes a little bit of lifestyle reinvention, but sure. You know, I, I just finished the book, uh, 21 lessons for the 21st century by, uh, I always butcher his name. Uh, Yuval Nohan Harari, I think is the approximation of his name. Same guy that wrote homo sapiens and, and deuce and, or, or, uh, sapiens and, and homo deuce. Uh, but one thing he highlights in that book is that, you know, in, in the emerging 21st century and beyond, especially with the explosion of automation and artificial intelligence and the fact that many traditional uh, jobs are being shifted towards, you know, computers and, and robots and AI, really the, the worker of the future or the successful person of the future is not someone who has learned to operate in a traditional schooling environment built upon the agricultural revolution and factories, you know, designed to churn out good little factory workers who can put square pegs in square holes, but rather folks who are able to adapt on the fly to reinvent their job positions, to be very free thinking, creative and resilient thinkers who, if they were uprooted from whatever job they've chosen, right? Like let's say one of my children decides they really truly want to be just a complete master chef but you know ai and robotic technology gets to the point where a robot can go out and forage plants and create a five-star meal better than a human well you know that that might mean that that you know my boy needs to adapt and create a new role for themselves and i I feel that that this type of scenario really sets them up well to respond to what I think is going to be the type of human we need in an increasingly, uh, um, you know, AI and computer driven society. So that's interesting. Uh, that's really interesting yeah. because I've never, never actually heard anybody put it like that as far as when with like the industrial agricultural revolution, like you were saying, or the industrial revolution with the you know school system being based around that. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned the school system because I actually don't, love the idea of you know uh, my son just sitting in a classroom and only getting 15 minutes for uh recess a day and then you know gym maybe once a week or something like that and he's on he just well today's actually his birthday so he's turned seven so you know they're not really meant even just primitively to just sit there and learn passively oh, like of, that of, you know of, I mean? of so, course not there, yeah. there's an entire book about this called free to play And in that book, it outlines that how a child learns best is through free and creative play, as the name of the book implies. And that really an ideal scenario is a child is surrounded by everything that they need. And and, and sure, in, in, uh, you know, in a in, you know, a slum in India, that might mean an an old tire swing and, you know, and, and some sticks and scraps of metal. But, you know, regardless uh, whatever it is that a child situation is rather than a formal learning environment with books and education that's performed at the pace of whoever the slowest person in the classroom might be. And, you know, a, a, a great deal of all the other baggage that goes along with 
formalized institutions such as, you know, uh, everything from required vaccination schedules to uh, the children learning uh, from from a curriculum they might not be interested in remotely to robust test taking based on memorization that in an era of Google is relatively obsolete. I mean, I, I realize that, 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 you know, I talked about committing scripture to memory, but, you know, I, I, I think that that's more of an idea of putting something good on your heart versus, you know, memorizing scripture because you can't just go to Google and find that later on. Right. Um, I, I just think there's so many failures of the traditional modern educational system compared to free play and unschooling that I just, I, I couldn't bear the thought anymore of my kids uh, spending the time they spent from first through fifth grade in what, what admittedly is, was a good private school, but, you know, really I did not think was providing them with as robust an education and as robust a life experience as they could have received or, or could receive. And so based on that and the fact that I did not want my children to feel embittered that, you know, whatever, my dad pulled me from school and I never got to experience uh quote real unquote education i simply sat them down uh, in this case took them out to dinner and i said hey guys here's the deal um i've been thinking about this a lot and um you know and and, and i really explained to them in, in more kind of kind of 11 year old terms a lot of the things i've just outlined to you as far as you know i where how i think humans learn best and where i think the the greatest deal of value from an educational uh, life-based experience can be developed. Mm-hmm. And I said, so based on all this, um, look, the decision is your guys. I mean, you, you can, you can do whatever you want. I guarantee I will make sure that you guys have plenty of time with your friends and your social life is robust, but I have no requirements for you guys to return to sixth grade. I do not want you to feel pressure to go back to sixth grade. I don't want you to feel like you need to be in school and uh, you guys can think about it. And the choice is yours. And then about a week later, I took them out to dinner again and, and said, hey, have you guys had a chance to think about this? What do you want to do? And, and they both had mutually uh, made a decision that they didn't want to go back to school. So I, I let them make the decision, which I think is also important that it be a decision that includes your child, because the last thing you want is, is the kid to feel like, well, my my parents just chose everything for me and I missed out on some important aspect of of childhood. And, and trust me, I'll do the same thing with university. I mean, I will make sure they know that they could get just as robust a university education, including, because a lot of people talk about this, the whole like, you know, getting a chance to drink and hang out with women and, you know, all the things people talk about that folks get in college. I will, I, I will take that college tuition and I will buy them a round the world plane ticket and give them the opportunity to just go see the world for a year, study whatever they want to study, go to whatever countries they want to go to. And I guarantee that in one year of just traveling the world and immersing yourself in other cultures and languages and learning how to survive and be resilient in a variety of different scenarios, uh, a young man or a young woman would return from an experience like that with just as much resilience and and, and, and culturization as they'd get in four years of, you know, American college. Right. I mean, and, and I, I really love what you're saying, to be honest with you, I really do because, and it's actually fascinating because, you know, reading your bio and looking at it right now on my computer, it's like, you're no stranger to school, right? I mean, you're, you're, you've got a master's degree, right? So you've, you've been to university, you've 
done all of this stuff. Now, granted, you were homeschooled from K through 12, but how does that actually translate? Everything you're doing, how does that translate to what the school system recognizes as actual education? And like, so if they wanted to go to college or to university yep. and you're going to continue this from six, are like, are you going to like continue to let them do this or they have to eventually like enroll back into school or how, like, how is this going to actually translate into, I mean, sure. I love every, like I said, my wife and I, we only have one child. And in the beginning, it was a little hard for us to swallow because we were planning on having more children. We tried for a little while. Well, a long while actually it didn't happen for us and we were like you know what we have a healthy beautiful son who we can bring with us and actually have him explore the world with us because we love to travel and we're thinking you know what we can have him come with us and have that education because i've always heard that I, I didn't i wasn't on a plane until i was 15 for the first time and you know still have never been to europe and i'm 35 and so you know it's just i have a lot more traveling that i want to do um, for myself mm -hmm. and then also with my family. And I've always heard that getting to see the world and like you're saying, other cultures, emerging yourself is a great education. So I'd love to be able to pass that on. But how does that translate for your children, for your boys at 11 years old now when they want to go to a college? Yep. How do, the laws yeah. vary from state to state. In Washington state, there are 12 required subjects, uh, math, reading, social studies, history, etc. Uh -huh. Now, uh, there, there's an excellent book called Unschooling to University. I like the book Unschooling to University because it's new. I believe it was published in 2018. So it's somewhat relevant. Yeah. And um, amongst a host of interesting information in that book is instruction on how to creatively take experiences that your children are having in, in an unschooling journey and actually translate those into uh, a core subject that a, an institution would actually recognize if you're audited by the state to see whether or not you're actually schooling your children or whether they're simply young delinquent, you know, truants. So for example, you know, perfect example would be like the tree fort, right? Tree fort building. We can take that. And as long as we log what they've been doing and the children have journals that they complete each evening that, that simply says, here's what I did today, you know, worked on the tree fort, learned how to make 90 degree angle cuts with the skill saw, um, uh, figured out how to, you know, whatever, um, you know, make, uh, uh, a blue food dye with the chemistry kit mm -hmm. and watched a documentary on American history. Well, then what I can do is simply take those journals and I can say, okay, here's what they did for history. Here's what they did for math. Here's what they did for chemistry. You know, if they make risotto that day for the family dinner, that counts as chemistry. That counts as social studies if there's like an Italian flavor to it. So you can be pretty creative as far as what your state's core subject requirements are, because most states, if you actually, you know, for example, in Washington state, you have to submit a, uh, a letter of intent that you're homeschooling. Otherwise, your child will be marked as truant if they're not actually enrolled in a school. So you file a letter of, of intent that you're going to homeschool. Uh, the, the parent needs to have taken a specific course in education or have a degree in education. Now, the fact that my undergraduate degree is actually in 
uh, in uh, physical education, technically, you know, my, my emphasis wasn't exercise science, but if you look at my degree, it actually says physical education, right? So I, so I'm lucky enough in that I already have a degree in education. And in many cases, if you just have a degree period from a, from a accredited institution, they'll kind of count that as you being qualified to teach. Sometimes it doesn't necessarily need to be an, an educational degree, hmm. right? So, so the parents are qualified to teach. They've, they've filed a letter of intent to homeschool, and then they are keeping logs that show that on some type of a systematized basis, the children are studying the core curriculums required by that state. And again, that can be very creative and free flowing. Like I mentioned, you know, you can take your family out on a plant foraging trip and call that chemistry or call that social studies. And then what you can do is at the end of each year, you're usually required to take a standardized test, but the kids are required to take a standardized test. And most states have a website you can go to to download the standardized tests that are required for that state. These can be taken online. There's typically uh, some amount of preparation that's required, meaning if, if my kids decide they have zero interest in calculus, but the standardized tests for 10th, 11th, and 12th grade uh, have calculus in them, like they will have some kitchen table time in the couple of months leading into that test where they've got out the calculus books or they're hopping on Khan Academy or iTunes University or whatever and taking a calculus course so they can pass any standardized test requirements. But if they're taking those standardized tests each year, they're allowed to take a collegiate entrance exam, you know, or, or do their, their, uh, the, you know, the, the, um, SATs. uh, what, what's it called? Yeah. The, the, the SATs yeah. or, when, when I was homeschooled, it was uh, I took the SATs and then I had the, the GED that I took. And, you know, for me, I was homeschooled in Idaho and had zero issues with attending University of Idaho, which is where I went to school, being homeschooled as long as I took those tests prior to being prior to enrolling in the institution. And frankly, uh, many, many institutions these days of higher education actually want a lot of these homeschoolers and unschoolers simply because they're such more well-rounded individuals. And yeah, I mean, if, if one of my kids decides they want to be a physician or an astronaut or wants to be engaged in some kind of a career where, you know, you want to ensure the guy building the rocket ship actually went through some type of formalized recognized curriculum and has some kind of a certificate in their back pocket showing them to be capable of building a rocket ship mm -hmm. well you know that's a situation which i think college would be appropriate although even that i mean you know i've thought about this a lot and i'm like dude i'd rather get operated on by a surgeon whose medical school was simply like being with surgeons learning from surgeons shadowing with surgeons and just studying the heck out of you know let's say they're a heart surgeon like spending four years, you know, studying uh, cardiovascular systems and physiology and surgery and almost like a, a rinse, wash, repeat of that unschooling format. But I also realized that, um, you know, humans are humans and I wouldn't want to wind up with that surgeon who decided to slack off and watch Netflix and and uh, rent a few movies about heart surgery instead. So sure. I think there are there are some there are, there are some situations in which institutionalized formal education makes sense but i think the lion's share of jobs these days can uh you, you can learn a lot more from an internship or a practicum or shadowing or working in your chosen sector for a number of years as was the 
way humans were educated for thousands of years right. rather than just like pursuing an overpriced piece of paper to put in your back pocket. I love it. That's a lot of great points, man. A lot of great points. Um, man, it makes you think, right? I mean, I've, I've heard of it. I know, I know it's becoming more popular. People are homeschooling and I'm just wondering, you know, what people's opinions are like, well, you know, it sounds like a lot of work with these standardized tests or the testing at the end of the year, or, you know, and also like you're saying, it's a little bit of a lifestyle shift too. I mean, you have the, you're blessed to be able to work out of a home office, like you said, and, you know, depending on what your wife does, you know, maybe she's home as well. So, you know, some people don't have that dynamic and, and aren't as blessed to, to have that. So they have to figure out something else, but I love everything you said. I know that. Well, it's pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty cheap too. I mean, really uh, it's, it's a lot more inexpensive to homeschool or unschool in my opinion, than pay the tuition for a school and all the ancillary expenses from, driving to to buses to gas to school lunches i mean you know money is money money isn't the top of the totem pole when it comes to happiness and purpose in life i would much rather even if it was more expensive i would much rather be with my kids during the day and know that they're happy as a clan pursuing their passions and they're going to be well-rounded individuals than save a little bit of money i'd happily eat rice and beans for that now the fact is you know, I, I, my, my initial thought pattern was, Hey, you know what, if I'm not going to homeschool these guys, at least I want them in a good school. So I was paying a, a, a decent amount of tuition for a good private school. And when they made the decision to unschool and they sent me a, you know, the, the kids sat down, they wrote a list of all their passions, all their interests. Then I took that and I made a big list of all the different um, you know, everything from Lego building kits to puzzles, to books, to documentaries, to tutors, to everything. We're talking like for me to order all of that and for me to even like have a couple of tutors, particularly for things like, you know, woodworking skills or Spanish or jujitsu, it's freaking like one tenth of what I'd pay for tuition at a private school. Like it's a drop in the bucket. So, I mean, it, it's not technically more expensive depending on what you're comparing it to. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. Very good point. All right. I know we got to wrap up soon. So as, as I end every episode, I have 10 questions for every guest that we ask. Uh, and those questions were inspired by James Lipton and Bernard Pavel. Um, okay. But before I do that, just let everybody know where they can find out more about you and where you're so uh, where you're active on social media at right now. Yeah, on, on social media, it's pretty much just like Ben Greenfield or Ben Greenfield Fitness on most of the platforms. But BenGreenfieldFitness.com is my main website. And then I also uh, formulate uh, nutrition supplements and superfoods and coffees and teas and things like that. And that's all over uh, on, on Keon, K-I-O-N, GetKeon.com is the name of my my supplements company. So those are the two best places to see more. What I do is bengreenfieldfitness.com and getkeon.com. Cool. Does Keon stand for anything? Yeah. Key is the Japanese kanji symbol for energy. I actually have that tattooed on my shoulder. It's this concept of the invisible energy or life force that flows through all of us. And I wanted to create a company that produced uh, products that would support people's life force, support people's energy and kind of have a holistic, all encompassing approach to, uh, to enhancing health and performance and longevity kind of simultaneously. So that's the idea of key and key on. Nice. I like that. All right. Number one, question number one, who's your hero? 
Jesus Christ. What excites you? Competing on the field of battle, usually like a obstacle course race or a, or a bow hunt or anything that challenges my, my body, particularly with a little bit of a mental component. What turns you off? Mm. Anything that requires me to fit into a box or to play by the rules. Hmm. What is your favorite sound? The sound of uh, water or ocean waves. What is your least favorite sound? Vomit. (laughs) (laughs) What is your favorite quote or saying? Theodore Roosevelt's man in the arena quote, which I know we probably don't have time to get into, but it would be either that or Robert Heinlein's specialization is for insects quote. In a couple words, what should a dad be? Hmm. What should a dad be? I mean, I want to say some of the stereotypical stuff like leader or, uh, you know, provider, protector, etc. Um, but I would say the thing that's probably made the biggest difference for me is a, a dad needs to be radically honest and transparent with his entire family i like that and in a couple words what should a dad not be proud and narcissistic if you could try any other profession what would it be i'd be a professional songwriter and musician nice and finally what would you like to be remembered for Well, at the risk of sounding preachy, uh, I think that the, the, the biggest failure in the whole fitness and nutrition world is there's a lot of people walking around with, with uh, well-cared-for bodies and optimized brains, but their souls and their spirits are shrunken and neglected and shriveled. And I would like to be that guy that is recognized for teaching people and empowering people and enabling people to not just optimize their bodies and their minds, but also to optimize their spirits and ultimately to, um, to, to, to recognize the hope and the purpose and the power that uh, a, a, a belief in God and a belief in salvation can bring. And so, you know, I, I'm a firm believer that, uh, God has has commanded me ultimately as my highest calling to bring people hope and to save souls. So if I can be remembered for that, then I'll be happy. That's awesome. Great way to end the show. Ben, thank you so much for awesome. your time, for everything that you shared. It's made me think a lot, and uh, I'm sure it probably has the, the people listening. So. I love, uh, I love the conversation we got to have today. Very blessed. Cool, man. I'm honored. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. Have a good one. All right. You too. Thanks. Later. Bye. Bye. Hey, guys. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Warrior Dads podcast. If you like this podcast and want to support it, please subscribe, leave comments, and share it with someone you think would benefit from listening as well. Thanks again, and keep on being a Warrior Dad.